Good morning. Good morning. My name is Kevin Bear. I'm the lead pastor here at Bayou City Tomball. And if I haven't met you personally yet, I am so sorry, but I'm so glad you joined us this morning. Brave the weather out of the rain. It is dry on the inside. And, uh, and I'm really excited about this morning. We are going to be finishing up um, our study on the Sermon on the Mount today. And I know that's sad news for all of you, but it's been an amazing journey. So if you have a Bible, jump to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be this morning. And uh, we will be finishing the Sermon on the Mount, um, and we will then be starting an Advent series starting next week, which we're very, very excited about. So as we uh, get going, as you're flipping, here's what I need you to do. I need you to turn to someone beside you and say, I am so glad you are here. Hopefully it's someone, uh, your wife is great, but also someone you don't know. Just turn to them and say, look over, so glad you're here. Now turn to your second choice and uh, tell that group of people as well, hey, I'm so glad you're here too. Go ahead. Come on, come on. Yes, yes, yes. We are glad. Oh, I even, I even got a wave. That's, that's the best. That's the best. I'm so glad you're here. All right, Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 24, says this. Every then, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. And pray for us. Lord, thank you so much for your word. And Jesus, thank you that you have taught us through the Sermon on the Mount. You've taught what it looks like to, to live life under you and to be your kingdom people in this place. But Lord, I, I pray that as we come to the end and you call us to make a decision, I, I pray that we would be people that make the decision to build our life upon you and nothing else. And so Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts as we open up your word so that we could be changed and transformed and be deep people built only on you. So we're asking for a miracle. So we ask that you do it. In your name we pray, amen. Well, in 1173 AD, a building project began. The goal was an eight-story bell tower. Um, eight-story, and they, they gathered the most beautiful materials. They gathered marble, ancient marble, from all the areas of the ancient world, and they were gathering up all of these expensive, exquisite, beautiful materials uh, to build this amazing building, uh, this amazing construction that was gonna be a bell tower right by a beautiful cathedral. And so they were, began the construction project on this building, and and, and the goal, once again, was eight stories. But as they began building it, they, they realized that they had a problem. By the time they got to the third floor, something went wrong. And the building itself started sinking on one side. You may be familiar with this structure. It's called the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And, and this, lean, this tower began suddenly 
leaning. And, it, and it, it, so they, they stopped construction for about 100 years. About 100 years later, another architect uh, kind of came alongside. His name was uh, Giovanni de, de Simone. And he was, uh, tried to compensate for the poor or the, the unlevelingness of, of this building. And so he began building uh, certain sides higher than the other to try to balance it out. So he'd start building up one of the stories a little bit higher than the other. So it would kind of balance it out. But, but as they began putting on further stories, uh, they, it continued to to sink. And over the next 200 years, it took 200 years for them to kind of complete um, the construction up to 1370. And they realized and they saw that it was beginning to lean further and further. It couldn't support its weight. And the reason it couldn't support its weight is because of a simple truth. Um, It wasn't built on solid ground. The rock wasn't present. In fact, Pisa, the word Pisa in Italian means marshy land. And so they built this tower on marshy land and the marshy land wasn't stable enough to support it. And so there wasn't a rock solid enough to hold the structure up. And so it began sinking and sinking. And so they've watched it sink over the years until uh, it came to a point where they just had to do something to intervene. And so engineers in in the late 80s, early 90s began uh, forming a plan. And in 1990, they they saw that the tower was leaning all the way to 5.5 degrees. Um, which meant that uh, just a little bit more and it would topple over. And so they came in and they began siping, siphoning off dirt on one side to kind of lean it back the other direction and pulling with cables to lean it back. And, and so si- the engineers now say they believe that the Leaning Tower of Pisa will remain stable for some 200 years, barring an earthquake or any other unprecedented disaster. So it'll be stable for a little bit longer. Well, what's the point? The point is this. When you build on a faulty foundation, it's just a matter of time before it's gonna fall again. When you build on a faulty foundation, it's just a a matter of time before that building is going to collapse. We see that in the Tower of Pisa and, and Jesus has been communicating that all through the Sermon on the Mount. He's been contrasting his teaching from the teaching of the Pharisees. He's saying, I want you to build your life on something that's going to be stable, something that's going to stand. I want you to build your life on something that will stand the test of time. And at the end of the sermon over the past several weeks, we've looked at how Jesus has called us to decision. A couple weeks ago, we looked at the two paths, that there's a way that leads to life and a way that leads to destruction. Make a decision. Last week, we looked at the fact that there's two, um, two trees and two claims. And he's saying, I want you to make a decision. Who are you going to listen to? And, and are you actually in or are you really out? And in this section, he tells us to look at the two foundations. There's a foundation that's built on the sand and a foundation built on the rock. And he's asking us to make a decision on what foundation are you going to build your life? And in this section, there's a flow I want to give you as we think about what Jesus is asking us to, to, to do. The first is this, that there's, uh, we're all building. We're building a life. We're building something. All the thoughts that you have, all, the, all the, the ideas that come into your mind, those are constructing a life. We are building something. Secondly, um, we will be tested. At the end of the day, there will be moments of testing for what you are building to see if it's strong enough to stand. And number three, um, there's only one foundation that keeps the structure up. So we're all building, it will be tested, and there's only one foundation that will keep the structure standing. And what Jesus starts with is this, that we're all building something. Verse 20, 
4 says it this way. Everyone who hears my words, the words of mine, and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Verse 26, and everyone who hears my word, words of mine and does not do them is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And so what he's saying is this, everyone's building something. And what's fascinating about this section in particular is that is he's saying there's certain people that are listening to the same things. He says they're hearing the same teaching. And there's two people in two constructions that these people are building. He says, these people are both listening to the same thing. They're hearing the same information. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his uh, uh, study on the Sermon on the Mount says it this way. We cling to the notion that the difference between the true Christian and the pseudo-Christian is obvious. Our Lord's whole point, however, is that it is a most subtle matter. It is not obvious either case or either of the houses. What he's saying is this. When you're looking at someone from from the surface, it's difficult to determine whether or not um, they're false or real. It's difficult to determine how they're building their life. He says, I want you to think deeply about what you're listening to and, and, and how you're putting that into practice because on the surface, it may look the same. The true and false Christian on the surface can look very similar. So they can both be attending church services. They can both be attending Bible studies. They can both be listening to good sermons. In fact, they could even have some of the same desires. Like a, a true Christian and someone who's, not, who's just kind of in, in the mix, they, they could have the, true desi- the same desires. They, they may want to live a life of significance. They may want to be, generally speaking, um, a, a good person. And so the, there's, there's things that are, are legitimately the same within them. On the surface, they look the same. But the differences come in the construction. In fact, Jesus has a similar teaching in Luke chapter six. He says this, um, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they're like. They're like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when the floods came and the torrent struck, that house, um, the house stood and it could not be shaken. He says, the difference is in the construction. He says, one stayed on the surface, the other dug deep. And that's the difference between these two men. One stayed at a surface level construction, the other one dug deeper um, into his thoughts and life. And, And you can stay at the surface level. It's possible to build your life on the surface and to construct your life only at a surface level so that it looks good from the outside. And so you can take the teachings of Jesus and you can genuine, uh, generally apply them to your life. In fact, um, I, had a, I had a buddy in college who said it this way. He started coming to the Bible study I was leading and, uh, and I said, hey, why do you wanna be here? And he goes, I think Christianity is part of a, rel- a well-rounded life. And so for him, it was, it was just another piece in the puzzle of what he was building. It was a, it was a surface level construction. He says, you can literally believe the truths, but keep them at the surface. And if you keep them at the surface and you don't dig deep, there's gonna come a problem because there will come a point in every one of our lives when our structure of life will be tested. I think that's what's so fascinating about his statement. He says says this, we're building our lives, but our beliefs, our construction will be tested. And what's fascinating about uh, both perspectives of both people 
is that it's the same rain, it's the same flood, and it's the same wind. He says, being a Christian doesn't mean that your life won't be tested. Being a Christian doesn't mean you won't be immune to the challenges of life. Everyone will suffer the same kinds of testing, the same kinds of trials. First Peter 4 says it this way, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery or trial when it comes upon you to test you as though some strange thing were happening. He says, Christians, don't be surprised when life gets hard. Don't be surprised when, when the rains come, when the floods rise or the winds blow. He says, don't be surprised, it's gonna happen. James 1, 2 says it this way, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. The word various in James is uh, the word multicolored. So he says, uh, don't be surprised when all sorts of hues and shades of frustration hit you. Like the, the reality is this, Christians, we are not immune to the trials and struggles of life. Every Christian will encounter trials. And the question is this, is what, has what we constructed strong enough, is it strong enough to withstand the trials of life? And he lists uh, kind of three elements, rains, floods, and winds. And it's difficult to know what exactly Jesus means by those three things, but uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones in his sermon, as well as uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon in his sermon on this text, um, kind of landed on some similar ideas about what those things might mean. And so for the, the rains, um, he says it this way. He says, these are the general struggles of life, whether they're illness, disappointments, job loss, or emotional hurt. He says it this way. I think he means the regular struggles of life, the disappointments that we all face. Something goes wrong in your life. Something on which you were banking suddenly collapses before your eyes perhaps being let down by someone or experiencing some grievous disappointment, a sudden change for the worse in your circumstances or an overwhelming grief or bereavement. He says, everyone will suffer rainy days. There will come moments in our life when, when, when COVID hits, when things shut down, when, when, when challenges hit our life and it hits Christian and non-Christian alike. We all have the rains that come. And he gives the second thing. It's, it's, there's also floods that come. And Martin Lloyd-Jones believes those floods um, are, are the trials of, of the world. And the way that the Bible describes them is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Those three things can come like a flood. The lust um, of the flesh, the desire to have that thing. And sometimes lust can, can rise up like a flood. It becomes difficult to resist. Or, or the lust of the eyes is like wanting what you don't have. Or the pride of life. It means that, that you're, you're, you're kind of self-absorbed and, and wanting to prove yourself over people. He says those, those realities can come like a flood and hit you. And the third is the wind. In the Bible, Ephesians 2, it calls uh, Satan the prince of the power of the air. And so these men believe that it's, it's actually the, 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 the attack of Satan on people. And the reality is, is all of us, whether or not we agree with those particular ones or different ones, will suffer challenges in life. The general disappointment, you're going to hit a job loss. Finances aren't gonna come through in the way that you want. We're gonna get sick. Any number of things can happen. Well, we're gonna be flooded with, with trials that, that come and hit us, that, that come like a flood and, and we feel overwhelmed in that moment. Every one of us will suffer even spiritual attack. Satan will come at us and, and hit the kinks in our armor. We are all subject to the trials, the winds of struggle. And the question is this, 
has, is what we believed in strong enough to hold us? Is what we put our faith in strong enough to keep us sturdy? Because the trials, they're gonna hit Christians and non-Christians. They just merely reveal what's there or what's not. So uh, it's gonna be coming new year pretty soon. And many of you guys are gonna have um, an agenda on the new year. This is gonna be the year that you get into shape. And so you go to the gym in the new year. You get your gym membership. You're excited about doing that. And then you meet uh, a trainer, right? And you have like a couple free training sessions with your new thing. And so the trainer comes to you and says, okay, we're gonna get you into, into shape. What are your goals? What do you wanna happen? And they're gonna come to you and they're gonna start giving you weights. And you may say to yourself, as you start doing curls or doing squats or whatever they have you do, you may go like, I hate this trainer because everything they're doing just makes me hurt. The problem isn't the trainer. I'm so sorry. The weights only reveal what's there or what's not there. See, all of us will encounter trials in life and the trials will reveal what's really present. My kids and I, um, every summer we would go to uh, an amazing beach, uh, Galveston. And, um, and so we, w- we would go to Galveston and, and what we do in Galveston is what all great families do is we build sandcastles. And we would build these amazing, immaculate sandcastles. We would build them um, that are highly constructed. I mean, really ornate and intense sandcastles. And my wife, even this past year, brought food coloring to kind of color the different sandcastles. So we had all of these shades of amazing sandcastles. But what happened every evening when the tide came in? Participate. It'd wash them away every time. Why? Because it's made of sand, right? Easy, easy questions here, people. And, and it, it can't stand the waves. I think for many of us, we are constructing a life on sand. We're constructing a life that when the trials of life come, we start blaming God or blaming each other or blaming people. Like, I couldn't believe this happened. And God's like saying, that's not the issue. The issue isn't the trial. The issue is the structure of what you've built your life on. And when the things come and hit you, we freak out because we're not tethered to anything strong enough to hold us when the trials come. My kids um, are in elementary school now and they play tetherball. And uh, what's the point of tetherball? To humiliate children. Like that's why they have tetherball, right? Only the strong and tall survive in, in tetherball, right? So what's the game? Well, you have a ball that's tethered on a string to a pole and you hit the ball around the pole, right? You hit the ball around the pole and you try to like block it back and forth. But eventually, you, here's the beautiful part of tetherball. You can hit the ball as hard as you want and it's not gonna go anywhere. Why? Because it's tethered to something strong enough to hold it in place. And what Jesus is saying is this, trials are gonna come and hit you. The question is, what are you tethered to? Are you strong enough to to withstand the hit and come back and rest in who God has you to be? Or are you going to fly off? And for many of us, we haven't built ourselves deeply on the rock. And so when the trials of life come and smack us, we go flying. We have nothing stable holding us. And what he's saying about these two men is that on the exterior, their construction looks the same. They're going to church, they're in Bible studies, they're doing all the things, but when you actually look at what they've tethered themselves to, you see the problem. Because one person did not dig deep, 
the other one did. One person dug to the rock, the other one stayed on the surface. I was watching a video on ancient construction of the Tower of Pisa. It was on TED Education. And so they talked about um, where the builders went wrong in the construction. And what they said is this, that the problem is they, they built it on this marshy soil and they stayed at that surface level. What they should have done is what ancient architects in Rome did. What they would do is they would drive pylons deep into, through all the marshy surface to a, a bedrock. And they would drive these deep pylons all the way to the bedrock so that it could stand and not tilt over. You needed to go to the rock in order to stabilize the structure. And what Jesus is saying is this, if you don't drive yourself all the way to the rock, you will be unstable in your life and every wind will knock you over. Because ultimately, if you're not tethered to the rock, your building is only built on itself. If you're not tethered to something strong, what you've built is reliant upon you. And so when the winds hit you, you're just hoping that I'm stable enough to stand. And what Jesus is saying is, no, you won't be. You won't be stable enough to stand. So what's the difference? One is building on Jesus Christ, the rock of salvation. Ephesians 2, 20 says it this way. We are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. 1 Corinthians 3.11, for no one can build on any of the other foundation other than that which has been laid, which is Jesus Christ. He is the foundation. But if I don't rest on Jesus as my foundation, ultimately I'm building on myself. And the subtlety that the Martin Lloyd-Jones is pointing out is that it's not always easy to determine whether or not I'm building on myself or I'm building on Christ. And so let me just tell you a couple ways that we may actually be building on ourselves, thinking wrongly that we're building on Christ. Here's one way that we actually may be practicing self-salvation. If we believe that we just need stronger faith. If my faith was stronger, I could withstand the storm. If, if I was stronger in my faith, if I believed harder, then I would be able to stand in the storm. So, so ultimately what it, what's needed is my faith. Or second way is this, is if, if, if I just feel sorry for myself. Some of us go to church um, to feel guilty. Like we, we come here um, and we're like, oh, if, I, if there's a hard sermon or they say something hard, like I feel bad about me, like that's what Jesus wants. Like he wants me to feel guilty. And if I go kind of get beat for Jesus, then he'll be happy with me. And so once again, you're actually still relying on yourself. You're saying, if, if, if I feel guilty enough, then Jesus will accept me. And so it's, it could be that, that I'm trying to save myself. I just need to be stronger. Or it could be like, I just need to feel guilty enough. Then Jesus will love me. And so that's still a, actually a self-salvation. Or the third way is, is that maybe I just want Jesus to make me stronger. It means that if, if, if Jesus just makes me a stronger person, if I have Jesus to kind of help me be a stronger person, then I'll be okay. And so Jesus becomes like a divine slot machine. Like, if I pay in enough to Jesus and kind of put the button down, then, then I will be good enough in his eyes and I'll be stronger. And so the subtlety of this faith is, is you feel like you're using Christian words, but you're still just building on yourself. You are still your own foundation. And Jesus says, that's 
that's gonna topple. And as I've been studying um, the Sermon on the Mount over this time, it's been incredibly enlightening. And what I did this past week is I went through and I looked through every teaching of Jesus that we've covered. I went through every, so if you missed any of those sermons, fear not, we're gonna go through the rest of them this morning. Um, I looked at everything that he covered, he covered and, and, I, and I look at them and I wanna ask us, this, us the question. When I look at these challenges, am I building on myself or am I building on Christ as I address them? I think for many of us, as we look at these, we actually might be building on ourselves. And if we're building on ourselves, it's an unstable foundation. And so we pop those up. I want to read those, some of those for us. In chapter five, Jesus addresses a bunch of these issues. He says, he addresses of when I harbor resentment or anger against others or when I ignore the lusts of my heart or when I constantly overpromise and beg for forgiveness or when I resent others for not giving me what I deserve or when I'm, I only love those who can't love me back. Another one. When I want to be seen as a good person and do good things. When I love to be seen as a spiritual person. When I spend my time thinking about earthly possessions rather than eternal significance. When I'm worried about my future and I let my pursuit of God slide. When I'm judgmental of others. When I do not trust God, that God is generous. When I do not love others as I love myself. When I believe every life is fine just for them, or when I believe that every pseudo-spiritual teaching is, is good, or when I believe that I can do enough good things to be accepted by God. And, and he, he went through all of these different teachings, and he says, look, there's a way that you can approach this. You can, there's a way that you can approach each one of these teachings. That you can try to build on yourself, so you can say to yourself, well, I harbor resentment and I hold anger against others. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm not gonna do that anymore. Like I'm, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna be mean toward others. Or, or when, I, when I have all these lusts in my heart, like I'm just, I'm just gonna, um, I'm gonna not do that anymore. I'm just gonna say, Jesus, don't let me lust anymore. I'm just gonna like not do it anymore. Or when I consistently overpromise, that's a tendency within me to overpromise and underdeliver. Like I'm just, hey, I'm just not gonna do that. Like I'm gonna be a better person. I'm just not gonna overpromise. I'm gonna, I'm gonna not do those things. Or, or when I, um, or I resent others for not giving me what I deserve, I'm just gonna be like, okay, that, that hurts. Like, I'm not gonna resent anyone else for doing that. And I keep going over and over again against every one of these things that Jesus has taught on, and I can say, okay, Jesus, I'm not gonna do these things. When, when, when I wanna be seen as a good person, like, I just, I don't wanna be seen just as a good person. I wanna be a deep person, so I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm not gonna be kind of self-focused that way. I'm just not gonna do it, and, and I will be better. And what ends up happening is over time, we are constructing the will to not do what's wrong. And what we've done is we haven't tethered it to the rock. We've built all of these desires on an unstable foundation. And what happens is that we don't get what we want. I love people as I think they should be loved and they don't love me back. And so I get frustrated. Like I, I wanna honor God with my finances and so I do that one moment but then God doesn't bless me financially and so you shake. I wanna be a Christian, I don't I maybe not get ill or whatever else and so I, we do that and, and then we do and we shake. And what we've done is tried to build on ourselves. And Jesus says that foundation will never stand 
He says, but you have an alternative. You can build your life on Christ. And you can take every one of these teachings and actually tether them to a truth in the gospel. You can tether each one of these realities to a truth in the gospel. So the first one, when I harbor resentment and anger toward others, instead I say, I cannot be angry at them because all anger of God was poured out in Jesus Christ. He was angry at me, but he forgave me so I can forgive them. That's building on the rock. When I, when I have the lust of my heart, he says, instead of looking to someone else to satisfy me in my needs, I could say, Jesus Christ has satisfied me wholly in forgiveness of my sins and salvation. It says that there are pleasures at his right hand forever. When I constantly overpromise and beg for forgiveness, instead of trying to please people, what I can say is I am completely accepted in Christ. When I resent others for not giving me what I believe I deserve, I can say I know that on the cross of Christ, Jesus got what he did not deserve so he could give me what I did not deserve. I can actually forgive them for not giving me what I want for because actually Jesus gave it all for me. When I wanna be seen as a good person so I do good things, I recognize that I can't be a good person. I'm a failure. But Jesus Christ has forgiven me. He is the source of life for me. When I'm gonna spend my time thinking about earthly possessions, I remember that Jesus left glory and honor and everything to come get me and save me. And he says, I've given you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You see, every one of these truths could be tethered to what I will do better or it could be tethered to a promise in the gospel. And if I don't do the hard work of taking my frustration and challenges and, 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 and hurts. And if I don't tether them to the cross, I'm not gonna be stable. I won't be able to stand. And here's, and here's the truth on this. Here's what's really hard about this. Is that I can't build your life. I can't tether these truths in your heart to Jesus. Only you can do that through the power of Jesus Christ and the power of his spirit. And so my question to you is this, will you take the time to see where you have misplaced your trust or where you have misplaced your hope and you will tether that miss to Jesus Christ who forgives you He is the rock of our salvation. He has the answer to every one of our frustrations. And if we build our life on him, we can withstand the storm. And when the storms come and rise, we will be able to stand. At the end of his teaching, it says that everyone that listened to him were astonished for he was teaching them as one who has authority, not one of the scribes. He says, all of this is about me. 
will you tether your life to me? I will make you strong in the storm. Psalm 62, David says this. For God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you called us to build our lives on you. And it's not because you're selfish or self-seeking. It's because you know that fundamentally there is no other structure that will stand. You know at the end of the day, only a life built on you will stand the trials of life. And Lord, I know that there's some of us here that have been building our lives on, on flimsy soil, on soil that will never stand the trials of life. So Lord, I pray that you would actually help us to make the time to evaluate what we are building our lives upon. That we would examine ourselves in the Lord. And that by your grace, you might restore us to hope 